It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings. Your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. Locked on Vikings, locked on Podcast Network, a fresh week, a fresh slate of football shows from Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels on the Locked On Podcast Network. I don't know if we have a Locked On Hollywood show on this network, but the Oscars conclusion last night is worth at least five minutes of our time. And I know we talked a couple weeks ago about how Neither of us are that into award shows. We were half in, half out of the Grammys. But fortunately, I caught the conclusion last night of the Oscars. And before we get into details, Sage, did you also see it? So I watched, uh, my parents were in town last night, and they always like watching the Oscars. Uh, So we watched almost all of it. Uh, I was half paying attention, half not. Um, and right at the end, I was uh, just barely awake. I watched Best Actor, Best Actress, and then when they announced La La Land, I literally shut off the TV and uh, and closed my eyes and went to sleep and then woke up to uh, a Twitter storm this morning. So obviously, uh, I, I, I should have waited for, I, I think, seven more minutes. I think it was seven minutes between uh, when they uh, when they announced La La Land, when it was finally corrected, seven minutes I missed. So I went to bed seven minutes too early. So you are like every football fan who went to bed with three minutes to go in the third quarter of the Super Bowl. That's how you <laughs> feel today. You can empathize. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm the person who I'm the person who walked out to beat traffic uh, early in the fourth quarter of football <laughs> games when, you're, when your team is down by 21 points and the, you, then you miss one of the great comebacks in the history uh, of your franchise. Yeah, that was me. Well, in case you or anyone else didn't hear the audio of the drama last night, here is La La Land accepting their awards and then basically getting them ripped away. And Damien Chazelle, we're standing on your shoulders. We lost, by the way, but, you, know you know. Guys, guys, I'm sorry. No, there's a, this, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. Come this up. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. And then Jimmy Kimmel comes in with the best save of the night and says, personally, I blame Steve Harvey. And, and it's, a, it's a perfect analogy because, I mean, how often does this happen in award show lore? And then it happens twice in basically a year with Miss Universe, I think. And then this, just astonishing stuff. And I don't know if you've heard this, Sage, but I guess they gave Warren Beatty and uh, Faye Dunaway the wrong envelope. I don't know how that happens. 
Yeah, they gave. They, it looks like they gave them the envelope that uh, had Emma Stone as Best Actress uh, for La La Land, and I, they must. I don't know if they have two of those envelopes or what the deal was, but obviously they got the wrong one. I was hoping that Jimmy Kimmel uh, would have blamed Matt Damon somehow. Oh, somehow than Matt yeah, fault. <laughs> that would have been even better. Harvey or Damon? Just as far as the show goes in general, I thought Kimmel did a great job and obviously got a handful of shots in on Matt Damon. They had a couple of great sketches with the tourists coming off the bus, the food coming down from the ceiling. A good job by Kimmel, better than many other years. I thought Kimmel was great, and I also I thought the tour bus uh, sequence was hilarious and, and uh, quite a treat for everybody. I, I always love it when... You see these, you know, uh, these celebrities. Not not just celebrities, but the people really at the top of the the pedestal, uh, interacting with just regular fans uh, who were, you know, came off the street, came off the bus, and were walking through the Academy Awards. I thought that was a really, really cool thing, great idea, and something that was very similar to something that would happen on one of those, you know, Tonight Show, Late Show. Um, uh, type of deals, and so I think that's what was neat about it. He sort of took what he does on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, and then brought it into the the Academy Awards. So I, I thought I actually thought that was the highlight of the night, uh, obviously until until the very end, which was I'm not I'm not sure that was a highlight, but it's definitely what what everyone's going to be talking about today and and for the coming week. Yeah, that's for sure. The the Oscars brand is going to be on display for sure in, in a in a good or bad sense. I'm not sure what. So that's the Locked On Hollywood talk here on Locked On Vikings. There's not much football to talk about today. We're at that that weird part of the offseason where we're just waiting for the ball to drop on free agency. And, you know, as March 1st approaches, when you're a player, is that sort of the point where you see all this activity start happening and you say, all right, got to get my mind back on football. The lull is over. We got offseason workouts coming up. Is that sort of the mental turning point of a player's offseason? Well, as I said, I think I said this uh, last week. For me, I always waited until the Super Bowl. I always felt like I took off from when the regular season ended. If I was in the playoffs, I, I took off about that month, month and a half. Uh, and then when the Super Bowl happened, I felt like you, know, you watch the game with your friends, your family, and I got re- sort of re-motivated uh, to, to, to get back in shape and to, to get ready for the – you know, the next 11 months, really. And so so for me, uh, that was really the beginning. But also, back when I was playing, we start our off-season program usually around about March uh, 20th, maybe uh, at, the, at the very latest, April 1st. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of guys would, would start working out at the facility a week or even two weeks before that, say, March 20th or March 15th date. So, uh, you know, you had about, I wanted to work out about a month before I, I went back to the workouts, but now that's all been pushed back to, to later in April. Guys have more time uh, to, to sort of not be in great shape before they go back to the team. And uh, <clears throat> so the, the offseason's changed a little bit. It is a sort of a dead time. The Combine's coming up. Yet Combine free agency, I believe, is March 7th this year is the beginning of free agency. So this is that time when you start hearing about all the franchise tags, I know Alshon Jeffrey, uh, there was conversation this morning uh, on Twitter about uh, that he's probably not going to get tagged again by the Chicago Bears. So there's going to be a, a huge wide receiver free agent. He's going to demand huge money, uh, and he'll get huge money. And um, uh, so there's different stuff going on. You know, Eric Berry is uh, in Kansas City, the safety, uh, whether he gets franchise tagged 
uh, again or not. So this is that time of year it is. It's sort of in between uh, combine, in between uh, free agency. Uh, you're sort of waiting to see what's going on. But as a player, uh, you're just starting to you know get those joints moving again, get back in shape, and uh, and get for get ready for really you know whatever happens if you're a free agent. You don't know where you're going to end up. I mean, you're playing. You're, you just played for your current team. There's 31 other cities or 30 other cities that you may may end up, uh, you know, moving to, traveling to, uh, and uh, and signing with a new team. So uh, it's it's really an unusual life when you're a free agent in the NFL. Your life can totally change uh, in a heartbeat. It's sort of like the lottery, but you don't know what's going to happen, and you're going to be living somewhere else, uh, and you don't know how much money that's going to be. You know, and there's a domino effect if somebody gets a franchise tag. Now, you might be the top uh, free agent wide receiver. If, if they don't get the tag, now they're the, the, the top free agent wide receiver. So you just don't know what's going to happen to free agency. It's, it's a very unusual time for an NFL player. Do you think that there are some cities, and just from your conversations with players when you were playing, are, are there places that, let's say Cleveland, I mean, it's an easy pot shot at Cleveland, but not a great organization, not really a desirable city. Is there kind of a, a vocalness around the locker room that I'd really like to not end up in Cleveland or a place like that? Yeah, I think so. You know, when I was, when I, it was 2005 and I was coming to the end of the season, I, I was in with the Miami Dolphins. And uh, I used to hang out with the video guys occasionally. You, know, you have an hour or half an hour between, uh, say, practice ends and the meetings. I'd like to go and talk with the, these old the Hack brothers. They'd been there for a long time, uh, I think like 30 or 40 years. And so I'd go hang out with them uh, occasionally. And, and we would talk about uh, all the cities that we were uh, – that were. We, we, I think we ranked them one time best to worst cities to you know play for. And they were based off of two things. One was just the city. You know, San Diego is just a great place to live. Uh, Cleveland, Buffalo, uh, not great places to, to you know to live necessarily during those cold winters. But then, and then the other side, the 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 paper, the the sheet that we actually listed the the best teams to go to, not necessarily the city. You know, I mean, so you know, New England's a, a great team to go to, but. You really want to live around Foxborough. That's not all that great, right? So mm-hmm. you have these, and then you start weighing the, the positives and negatives of both. You start weighing the, the head coaches, uh, you know, those types of things. So for me, uh, I went to, uh, at that, at, you know, two months, three months later, I ended up signing in Houston, uh, and it was mostly because of Gary Kubiak. Everything I'd heard about Kubiak uh, was, was great, and, and for a quarterback, his offense was, you, you could have a lot of success in his offense. Uh, the city had, you know, good weather. Obviously, Houston's really hot in the summertime, but uh, mild winters, and it's a warmer city. Uh, but the team was terrible. They were they were coming off of two wins, and so you're weighing all these things. You can't have everything you want. Uh, I weighed the head coach uh, and the offense as, as number one, uh, and did not worry about the team's record, you know, all that much. Well, this is the time of year when guys are weighing. Do they want to return to the team that they've spent their entire career with? That's what Adrian Peterson is weighing right now. Is he going to continue with the Minnesota Vikings, a team he's been with since 2007? Well, his father has some input, and I think it's actually pretty good advice. Now, it doesn't take into account the huge discrepancy in money, but says Nelson Peterson, finishing your career in one place has value. I look at how Arizona treated Larry Fitzgerald, how they are taking care of guys who have been there. And I think Nelson Peterson makes a very cogent point 
that as far as your legacy is concerned, staying in one place is extremely valuable. Just down the line, whether it's NBA, MLB, whether it's Kobe Bryant or Derek Jeter, those guys have like an extra rung up the ladder just because of the one team, one career legacy that they've established. Yeah, I think there is something definitely to that. But then there's also the Peyton Mannings of the world who went somewhere else and had some really good years and even won a Super Bowl. So uh, I, I I definitely agree. There's there's a value, uh, sort of a historic value of staying on one team your whole career. You know, Chad Greenway has done that, uh, whether he's done or not, but he's been a Viking his entire career. There, there's something about that. Uh, and, and it seems like to me, those words coming from Adrian Peterson's father more felt like that the team uh, should should be sort of responsible for you know uh, appreciating Adrian's crew with the Vikings and I, I understand that but on the other sense you know what 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 did Adrian make last year you know fourteen fifteen million dollars or something and played in you know three football games so there's something there where where the Vikings I believe have done right by Adrian Peterson a lot over the course of his career as well. So uh, I, I think if this is going to you know, match up for another year, another couple seasons in Minnesota, both teams are going to have to figure out you know, what they need out of this uh, situation. You know, Obviously, Adrian's going to have to take a massive pay cut. I don't feel like the Vikings really owe him uh, any favors. If anything, I think Adrian Pearson probably, probably owes the, the Vikings some loyalty uh, because he's, uh, I, th- I think, been, pre- been treated pretty fairly by this Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. franchise. So Peterson getting some advice from his father, and another guy mentioned in there, Larry Fitzgerald, he uh, has always gotten a lot of advice from his father, who's actually based here in in the Twin Cities. How about your parents, Sage? Did you ever get a lot of career advice from mom or dad or, or relatives on places to go, strategies for contract negotiation? Did you ever ever have any kind of mentor, I guess, from the family side? No, not a ton. Uh, I think really just my, my senior year in high school, we were traveling out to Ames, Iowa for my visit to, to Iowa State. And we did talk about, this is probably the most advice I ever got. We talked about if I, if I am offered a scholarship to Iowa State, you know, should I accept it or not? And uh, we weren't, you know, this is a new process to us. And it was my first uh, official trip. And uh, I think we, as we were driving the three-hour drive from eastern Iowa to, to central Iowa, we discussed sort of the positives and negatives. You know, football was really not the sport that I was best at in high school. Probably say that was basketball. Uh, but we also recognized that I probably wasn't going to get a, you know, high-level Division One basketball scholarship, uh, you know, just, just based off because there's so many good basketball players out there. But we thought, you know, potential-wise, you know, football. I was, you know, I was six foot four. Uh, I, I could, I, you know, put on, you know, twenty or thirty pounds, and uh, I had potential to be a, you know, legitimate, you know, Division One, you know, starting quarterback. And you know, who knows from there, maybe even the NFL. So I think that was probably the the, the main time I got advice from my parents, and we really discussed my career. But but mostly in the NFL, uh, we didn't really discuss it. We probably left up to my agent and myself. Uh, I'm sure we had conversations about it, but I don't think. I just I didn't have a lot of situations in my career where my parents had to give me a lot of advice on you know which team I should play for. There's public advice and there's private advice. Whenever a parent goes public with their advice, and I'm not saying Nelson Peterson is necessarily wrong here. He had pretty innocent comments, but typically, if a parent is talking to the media or a parent is going on Twitter, it, it rarely has a good ending. It's like when Tom Brady's dad 
was very vocal about Roger Goodell. And I know Larry Fitzgerald's dad has said a few inflammatory things in the past that Larry had to kind of backtrack on. You never want to have to manage your parents. That would be the worst case scenario. Well, I remember when, when Johnny Manziel was, this is probably you know a year ago, when he was getting in a lot of trouble and, and not having all sorts of issues. His dad went on, I believe it was Twitter, maybe it was a some sort of sports news uh, you know, website or, or channel or something, and, and it was making comments about his son needs help, this, that, and the other. And I thought to myself, man, I, <laughs> I, I understand why Johnny's having some problems. Maybe his dad should keep, you know, John, his son's business out of the, the public limelight. Uh, and he probably shouldn't be making comments about his son's mental health, uh, you know, publicly. And maybe he should be having more discussions with his son um, in, in private. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely where family probably should more often than not just have those conversations in-house with, with, with uh, their son, with their children, you know, with their family. But I do understand, say, in a Tom Brady situation, this is a chance for a player to sort of speak their mind without having the player speak their mind. They can have, you know, a, a parent who a lot of times gets uh, um, the benefit of the doubt, I guess, of trying to protect their kid. Uh, by sort of speaking the mind for their kid for them, and uh, and, and the, they don't seem to be getting the, the the player doesn't get uh, in as much trouble uh, as the parent. At say Josenfels eighteen on Twitter. My name is Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. It's another day gone, checked off the off season list as we march on forward to free agency, draft, and OTAs here on Locked On Vikings. Sage will have you on Wednesday and Friday this week. Sounds good. Talk to you then. He's Sage, I'm Sam. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.